Thank you for tuning in. As leaders, it's important that we understand as much as possible about what's going on in the world around us. And whether we're looking to stay ahead or just to effectively run alongside major changes and trends affecting us, getting out of our normal lanes is often very necessary. Well, today we're stepping out of our traditional lane as we talk thought leadership, content marketing, and ChatGPT with my friend and longtime digital marketing pro, Lindsay Anderson. Lindsay is an expert in helping others become known online in ways that are just similar enough and just adjacent enough to help us in AEC think differently and more critically and strategically about how best to market ourselves and our firms in this fast-changing and ever-growing digital world. Lindsay's high energy and tells it like she sees it, and I encourage you to listen closely, even if what's being discussed sounds new or makes you feel a bit uncomfortable. Because this episode is filled with so many marketing and related insights, tactics, and truths. In addition to talking through the fundamentals of thought leadership and effective content marketing, we talk through several different frameworks that can help you to stand out should you be willing to put in the work. Which brings us to ChatGPT, a powerful tool that can help, but which itself needs a plan and some effective critical and strategic thinking to get any real benefit from, not just a prompt or two. Becoming an expert in practice doesn't just happen. And neither does becoming a recognized expert with the people we need or want to be known by. This episode is another example in a long line of episodes where we benefit from having a deep dialogue with other subject matter experts by design. And like other episodes, this one pairs well with several others. And in this case, two in particular related to effective marketing and business development which I'll be sure to link to in the show notes. So without any further delay, let's dig into what it might take for you and your firm to stand out more and to accomplish your marketplace, workplace, and recruiting space goals in today's fast-moving digital space. Welcome to AEC Leadership Today, the podcast designed exclusively for engineering, architecture, and construction industry leaders who want to stay relevant and effective. The show takes on the most pressing issues facing the AEC industry and was created to help you and your firm grow and prosper in the 21st century. The host of AEC Leadership Today is Pete Atherton, a professional engineer and former AEC principal and owner turned AEC coach and consultant. And now, take a break from your never-ending to-do list and welcome Peter Atherton. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another great episode of AEC Leadership Today. Today, we'll be speaking with Lindsay Anderson, an accomplished business coach with over 20 years of experience as a digital marketing business owner. And we're going to be talking about thought leadership, content marketing, and chat GPT. Welcome to the podcast, Lindsay. Peter, I'm so glad to be here today. Thanks for having me on, man. Well, you're welcome. Thanks for being here. It's great to see you. And I figured with part of the, the prime topic, I want to kind of pick your brain on, um, dig into because you're, it's the space that you're in. And I know you have a lot of expertise and or developing the expertise to really 
um, leverage ChatGPT as a tool um, for marketing, uh, content marketing, but really in the AC industry, thought leadership is really sort of the, the, the name of the game. It's the what. People want to be seen as thought leaders. They want to be seen as recognized experts. A strategy to do that is through content marketing and a tool to maximize content marketing is emerging tools, ChatGPT. But before we kind of dive into that, can we start big picture? You know, how do you think of, how do you define thought leadership generally? And is it different when we think about professional services, engineering, and architecture? So that's a really, you know, that's a really insightful question. And I want to come back to what you were saying about content marketing, because I personally believe, Peter, that the best kind of content marketing is thought leadership content marketing. So for me, both questions really wrap into each other. So when I'm defining like what a thought leader is or how to show up online as a thought leader, I think that 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 reigns in a couple of options, a couple of things. So first of all, you have to have expertise. And so if you're content marketing and you're showing up as an expert and saying expert-like things that like somebody who has been doing what you do for 20 years would say, that can definitely set you apart as a thought leader. Next um, would be um, having some influence with like the insight that you have. So storytelling about things that have happened to you that only an expert would know, like insider secrets that you can't just go out there and read in a book, but it comes from true experience and having the wisdom based on all of the battle wounds that you've had getting to the place that you've actually been. And then I think for me, the third most important part of being a thought leader is being innovative and saying things that may, you know, may piss a few people off or, or may go against the grind, but it is truly what you believe and it's innovative and it's different. And you're saying things and doing things just a little bit differently than conventional wisdom. So for me, that's what thought leadership means for me. So, and, and, and part of that last piece is really not necessarily having to be provocative, but a clear point of view and perspective where you think the market's going this way or the, the solution to the problem people want to solve is in this context. And so you're sort of providing your point of view and then maybe through the content marketing, doing it in a way that presents you as the solution or moves people to think about the way, think about it in the way that you think about it. Yeah. I mean, I like the way that you put that and yeah, it doesn't have to be provocative, but a lot of times when we're trying to show up online and be a thought leader, especially, you know, if you need to be super professional, then we show up online as buttoned up and I don't want to piss anybody off. And I don't want other people to like, tell me I'm wrong, even though like we want to show up and say our opinion, we don't want to just throw out facts what thought leadership is, is not being afraid of sharing your opinion, even if others in the industry may disagree, but knowing this is my opinion and it's backed by 20 years of experience. And if I have a couple of people that, you know, oh, I disagree with that or, oh, that's different than what I thought, that's okay. And in fact, for me and online marketing, it's welcomed because it starts a discussion. 
So you Mm -hmm. don't want to be all vanilla on this. You want to state your opinion confidently, rely and like have some self value and really understand and trust yourself that, yeah, my opinion matters and it's right. How do you think of, um, and this is great. I mean, because there is this kind of, people want to be a thought leader, but it means different things to different people. And then, you know, there's the, the line of thinking of, you know, hey, your opinion doesn't matter. It's truly, it's your expertise. What is this? We're reasoned people. I mean, there's a bunch of ways to to to, to deal with the situation, a bunch of ways to solve that problem. You know, there is a reasoned opinion, but really I'm, I'm sharing with you facts. And it's, um, I, I want to create demand and and share with you my knowledge. I mean, how do you, how do you leverage in professional services? Again, engineering architecture is the, the, the context, but, you know, I don't, physicians, you know, attorneys, how do you think about, you know, maybe not as provocative, but sharing the, the knowledge and maybe people use it and and, and don't ever re- reach out to you, but you've served that value. You're presenting that value out there. I mean, is there start the conversation pieces? How do you, how do you think of again? I want to share value with the world. If people use it, if they don't, if they think it is of value to them, they will reach out to me. Versus, I'm going to actively have a conversation with people, and I want to get a conversation going. I, I mean, anything to that? Because I mean, there are people who I don't really want to. I just want to share my information, and if people resonate with it, and they you know, think that I can solve their problem. Well, they're going to reach out to me. Um, I don't really want to talk to them though. How do you, how do you think about that? Yeah. The way I think about it is like, there's different, like that's all part of, I I think uh, wrapped into your brand. And so I think that there's thought leadership pieces that you can go out for, not even necessarily because, you know, it's for a new client or anything like that. But because you are bold enough and because you have an opinion, I think having an opinion on something, it says you are an expert in something, right? Because you're not like, go look in the latest books and go do, you know, here's the facts. But like, I am confident and I have an expert opinion on something. And like, even if it's not necessarily for a client, I think it will, it can wrap into the brand that, hey, they're opinionated. They are, I think people want to work with professional services. You mentioned all of these professions, which require a huge amount of trust because you're investing your health, you're investing great deals of money with these people. And in order to build that trust online, you, there has to be like, you have to view someone as an expert and view somebody who is confident because they're not going to follow you unless you have any confidence and you're willing to say, like what the plan is or like what you think is happening. Well, I mean, th- thank you for that. How do you, when you think about, um, you mentioned brand, how do you think about brand? And and if there's a thought leader or a thought leading organ- organization, I mean, how do you, I guess, big picture still, how, how do you think about brand? I mean, it's how you want to be seen and experienced by others. It's super important, but you don't own it. You can only influence it. What are some thoughts that you have as it relates to thinking about your brand, what, whether you want to share an opinion, whether you want to share facts, how you want to do that, how you want to close it? What do you think of, what are some of the considerations with brand that you see kind of in the the professional services realm, or is it all over the place? No. So, so the way that I like to approach and this, and are you asking within like the realm of content marketing, Peter, can Mm -hmm. we talk, can we talk, do you want to talk about it like that? 
um, is, is, is I like people to show up this. And I think it, I think it best is illustrated by a model that I call the VEMS model. Okay. So as a thought leader and as an expert, if you want to be attracting and creating this feeling of intimacy and trust online with somebody who is going to reach out to you, I my experience is you got to do it in, you have to display four different things online and that's my VEMS model. So V, and this answers your branding question. V is going to be for vibe. And so like, what kind of, what kind of firm are you? Are you like super serious? Are you, you know, like who do you serve and like, how do you treat your customers and how do you show up? And what is that perfect client that you're trying to attract? And like, so who are you and how do you interact? What's your unique, like personality of your brand? So that's V is for vibe. I think that's got to come out either in a uh, thought leadership post. It comes out in your branding, your logos and those kind of things. It all says something to people. Your next is going to be E, which is experience. If we're not sharing our expertise online and like those customer testimonials and sharing with people, hey, customer came to me, they had this project, we went through this and this is what the end project looked like. And these were some problems that we tackled and doing that within a storytelling kind of mode instead of just a, here's a portfolio before and after, but really trying to create some emotion around what you went through with this client and she's sharing some little tidbits um, and your experience. Fact is, if people can see themselves in your client testimonials or in a customer experience story, the chances of them reaching out to you increase significantly because they're like, oh, she helped someone just like me or with a project just like mine. The next is going to be M for methodology. And so Everybody is looking for someone with a plan. I don't know if you're a big fan of Lost. I love Lost. This was a couple of years ago, but like they crash in a plane on an island and the leader emerges. And this was Jack. Now, Jack is a doctor. He never has crashed on an island, but suddenly he's the leader because he's at least confident enough to be like, I've got a plan. I've got a method. If you follow me, like I'll get you from point A to point B. So clearly stating that online, like when you come to me, we have a process, you're in good hands. We're not just guessing, but you have to share that online. You have to demonstrate that because that will really increase trust. And then the final thing is S for skills. And so what kind of things can you help people with very, very specifically showcasing that in different posts? And it has been my experience in 20 years of digital marketing. If you show up with your VEMS online and you do a post about these things and you keep these in mind, the trust factor online, your brand will be built up online and you'll be able to attract those perfect fit clients for you. Right. Well, I mean, thank you for that and that framework. I mean, the first thing that stands out to me is that's some work. I guess, can you speak to the work it takes? I mean, you, what do you mean it's work? Out. Tell me what you mean by that. Oh, I mean, so <laughs> who, who are you speaking to? You know, what is their pain point? How are you solving it? I mean, I mean, there, there's some work you can't just, well, I, I, 
you have to be an, in order to be a thought, I think about it like this, in order to be a thought leader, you actually need leading thoughts, right? I mean, you have to be able to sort of not yes. just take where things are, but you know, like you said, there's insights, there's moving things forward. There's the stories behind the the why you did something and how to apply it moving forward. Assuming you have that credibility because in professional services, right? I mean, even if they like, know, and trust you and you have a great message and a great brand, I mean, once they figure out that you're not the, you know, technically competent and can't really solve the problem, have the registration, then it doesn't matter if they like no one trusts you. It does, you're not solving their problem. So assuming you can solve the problem, we're moving into getting known and and you know demonstrating that. I still feel like for technical experts, the working through the VEMS is work because we're really not thinking, we're, we're solving the issue, we're solving a problem, we're not trying to convince people we're the best people for. It's it's an unnatural state. So I feel like it's a work. I mean, it's, it would work for me when I was in practice and figuring out how to write proposals and come across, um, you know, well at interviews. But I mean, can you just speak to like, what is some of the work process you, you see um, in kind of working through to get the, the mindset to actually deliver on the VEMS? And so, so for me, it's so obviously the vibe. So the vibe is going to come across in everything that you do. Okay. So we're going to, we're just going to say that that's going to flow through with how you speak, how you show up. Do you dress professionally? Are you more, but you know, are you more, do you wear slacks, whatever. Okay. Like this is all of these things send a message to people. Okay. Your background on a video sends stuff to people. So you got to watch all that. That's going to be vibe. But when it comes to experience, I mean, the more, in in today's overflowing world of everybody's creating content, your ace in the hole is every time a customer uh, has something great to say about you or, and you would get in this habit, Peter, okay, in this habit. So let's say you just had a great client meeting and you had some sort of breakthrough on the project or you saved a bunch of money on a project. I would make it a habit to say, to set this up in a story that looks something like this, just finished up a client meeting. So this says, that one sentence says a lot. It says you have clients and it says you had a client meeting, okay? Like you're busy. So just had a client meeting. When they first came to me this project, we were really wondering how to work around X problem. In today's meeting, and you don't have to say client names, you don't have to say anything, okay? In today's meeting, we actually had a breakthrough because and then say something interesting about like, what was the aha moment you had in that meeting? And then say, client left happy. So it doesn't have to be this huge, they built this thing for me and it was the most amazing thing in the whole wide world. I'm saying take little pieces out of your day and you turn those into stories and like make a note on your phone that, oh, I got to tell this story. And then you're going to sit down and you're going to time block. If marketing is important to you, you doing it on the fly, it's not going to work. Um, it will only work as serious as you take yourself. So my biggest piece of advice is you have a note-taking system where you take these ideas. I have mine on my phone, but then on Friday afternoons, you have two hours dedicated to creating these posts and batch processing these posts so that you can actually stay consistent. But you got to be telling these stories and, and people will start actually listening to you instead of just stating a fact of, you know, here's a little known fact, people won't listen to that. But if you wrap that fact 
or that problem into a story and say, yeah, I helped my client with that. You become more human and people will read your content. So that's experience methodology. You must have a methodology. So you need to tell people about it. How are you, how is your methods different than everybody else in the marketplace? Or how do you handle clients? Like share that online. People want to know if you have a plan and then skills, which come with your, you mentioned like having specific certifications and those kind of things. You want to bring those up, let people know so that they are clearly like clearly displayed. That's great. Well, th thank you. Because there is some depth to that. And a lot of times there's a humility. There's the, hey, of course, we're going to solve the problem. Why do I need to go through these steps? But I mean, what you just articulated is is the meth methodology to be able to prepare ourselves to even demonstrate and show people that we are thought leaders. And, and again, that that's missing a lot. We don't understand that. Of course, I mean, in by and large, in this profession, people are really qualified and there are a lot of people who have a lot of great things to say, but but even just breaking down that model, I appreciate that because there's so many steps to do that effect to, to do it, but to then do it effectively with the, that VEMS lens, so that you can get word out to the um, to who you're trying to serve. In this, obviously, we're talking about this in, in a digital context. When you think of content marketing in a in a digital B two B professional services, if you will, I mean there is this sort of trust and credibility is paramount. But but there is this sort of the, I guess, there's a lot of people that we're trying to talk to as thought leaders. Where if there's anything that they interpret as it's wasting my time, that's obvious. That's that that's not. You know, it's 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 an obvious issue, but it's a novel. It's not a novel way to connect those dots, or it's it's non-obvious thinking that wow, that's kind of interesting. If it's if it's not that, if it seems fluffy, if it seems clickbait, it really cuts against this whole thing. You almost lose your credibility by doing that. Any thoughts on just making sure, or that you know, to make sure that you're not wasting people's time, or yes. I do have a thought on that, Peter, because what you just said is like one of the biggest problems, which is, well, I need to appeal to a lot of people and I want to make sure this reaches a wider audience. And so you start talking about like a smattering of things and half of the people resonate with this, but most people don't resonate with any of it because you don't actually end up talking to anybody because you're trying to reach everybody or more. Okay. So here is the shortcut and it seems simple, but this works every time, Peter. And that is what I call my one true client methodology. Okay. So there's two things you've got to know when you're doing content marketing online and trying to speak to that perfect customer is number one, when people are consuming your content, they're alone. So when you say stuff, when you're trying to speak to a broader audience and you, and you're using broader audiences terms, like, like you're talking to an audience, it comes out in your writing. It comes out in your videos. You want to make sure that you're practicing talking to one person because it's going to be interpreted completely like that on the other side. Cause they're sitting there reading your website. That's one thing you got to know about digital marketing. And then the, and then, and so is how I solve this problem is the one true client methodology. And I say, find one true client in your experience. So in your firm, create, have this one client of yours, a client that if you could have cookie cutter versions of this client all day long coming into your firm, you would be the happiest person of all. Now, this one true client, I've been doing this a long time, it cannot be you, okay? It can't be like, oh, 
I, I'm smart enough. Like I already know I can market to myself. Fact is you can't market to yourself because you're too close to it. So it's one true client that really exists and it cannot be a cookie cutter version of a or a Frankenstein version of a couple of other clients. So you can't be like, I like how Barbara paid me, but I like how this company actually communicated with me. And I actually like the results of this client. So my one true client is a Frankenstein version of these three people. Cannot. Okay. You have to have one true client in your experience. And then Peter, the shortcut is simple. You... Take that client, you put their name on a post-it note, okay? And you put it on your computer. And then every time that you create a post, every time you go out to market to anybody, you say, "What? How would Deborah find this relevant? What would Deborah say if she read that? Would Deborah be interested in this or just pass over it? And if you've worked with your clients, you guys are professionals, you'll know Deborah well enough to know she'll be like, I don't care about that. But if you talk to Deborah and you're only talking about interesting things about Deborah, I promise there are cookie cutter versions of Deborah out there. And this is the bait that you use to catch more Debras. Okay. Catching clients online is very similar to fishing. When you're fishing for trout or you're fishing for salmon, you use a very specific kind of bait based on what you're fishing for. And clients are exactly the same way. And this is how you know what your bait is. Great. That's what right. I got, Peter. Right. Well, and, and, and well, but it, there's some thought process that goes into that. Like, who do you, and that's I like the, the broad definition of even mar obviously content marketing is using content to market, but even marketing, think of that as conversations. I'm having a conversation with someone. So who is that one and what do they want to hear? What will number one land with them so that they, you can actually connect and then what do I share in order to move them, you know, either to a thought or feeling or an action, right? So it's that, but but it's your thing, what you just shared is be very specific and you are talking to someone, um, how do you want to move them and what will actually connect with them to even want to move? In that yeah, direction? and I think it's a, a question, maybe, maybe if it's not even to want them to move, it's like, is this relevant to them? Do they care about this? If they came up on this post, would they would like it just like talk over their head? Because uh, my guess is most people because uh, that are listening to this podcast end up talking above their clients because you're experts and you've been doing this for 20 years. And so you also have to remember the beginner's mind, like what you know, okay, you, you forgot what it even feels like to be the Deborah in this situation. So you have to remember how much you know, and like, you don't want to be talking over people's heads because content marketing, the second jargon's introduced, everyone goes to sleep. Now, if you're talking to colleagues and you want your colleagues to pat you on the back, that's something else. But for clients, you introduce jargon and they're going to snore, man. <laughs> That's great. Well, thank you. Well, we just, I just want to close on content marketing and we can get into some of the tools. But what, when do you think of kind of the, the B2B space? Um, I mean, LinkedIn comes out, you know, quite a bit as almost like the one, but there's also, you know, there, there's some websites, there's some different things. I mean, when you think of kind of business to business, in this case, engineering architecture, what do you think are some of the best platforms and, and vehicles to the share out some of this content that we'll develop for marketing purposes? 
So I always recommend that you maintain control of your own content. So number one for B2B, you've got to be publishing on your own website. Okay. So blog articles, those kind of things that you own that are yours, that you can start driving traffic to. And once the traffic's there, you'll be able to collect emails or like send the traffic to do other things. And so please always be publishing on your websites because obviously B2B on Google and getting ranked on Google and, and showing up on Google, very, very important. So I would say like, that's number one, but then number two, Taking to social media, I do like LinkedIn for B2B, sure. And 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 getting pe like sharing small tidbits of that and then pushing them over to your blog so then they can read the longer versions of things and you'll be able to collect email addresses. And it's more than just, hey, here's a link to my latest blog post. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about creating a post that's insightful on its own. And then for more information, check out my link in the comments, okay? So something like this, I like LinkedIn, but I, I will also say this, okay? If you like short form video content, which is where everybody's going, um, the owner, like people are everywhere and they have interests and like even TikTok and like TikTok, I'm just gonna say TikTok, don't throw me off the show, Peter, but TikTok it's, I mean, it's viral and you can get super niche on there. And if you're talking about relevant stuff to Deborah, like you can't, and you are a thought leader stating opinions and those kind of things, like you can find a following on TikTok. But I would say probably for your audience, LinkedIn and that strategy of this post is insightful on its own and then trying to get them over to uh, a website is, is really monumental. And then video. Nothing, uh, here, this is the trust factor. If we're trying to build trust with people, okay? It's a trust ladder. Um, first is the written word, okay? That's how much people trust you is the written word. Next up is going to be voice, which is what we're doing now. I know we have a little video going, but voice, which is podcast that increases trust. If people can hear your voice, okay? And then finally, uh, or in the next is pre-recorded video. So these are videos that you put out if people can see how you are and like can feel your presence, that increases the trust factor a ton. And then finally, live video, doing lives, those kind of things, because you can't hide anything. And so suddenly the trust factor goes way out the window. So you want to take that into consideration when creating content. And like, if you want to create trust fast, like I know I, I'm just the deliverer of the news here, Peter, and that is video creates trust. Right. And it doesn't go out the window. It just everything you said was moves up the trust ladder. Yes. You know, up the, yes. With ultimately, you know, the the if you're and well, and then that's the same feeling you get when you're speaking live at a conference at a live event and people you're right there. You're saying it. You're not reading anything. You're, you're actually yeah. having that. And so it's the benefit of when you speak at a conference, when you do a workshop in front of a group, you're, you're getting that sort of full level of trust because they're seeing you in the moment. I, I mean, you say I, I would say most of, you know, engineering architecture, it is on LinkedIn. I mean, that is the, the platform, but more and more, I mean, there are, I'll, I'll call it more forward leaning into the media side of things. I mean, Instagram is being used because of a lot of the talent is on there. So particularly a lot of the native digitals, the Instagram, they're, they're sharing a lot of the corporate culture on Instagram. That's a big deal. And more and more TikTok, a little bit for the cultural stuff, but I, I will 
agree with you that it's not the TikTok of a few years ago with just sort of young people dancing. Like that's not the thing. There, there is definitely a business component coming to that and already there. And I know people who are experimenting with it, not just for the cultural things, but because of some of the other um, sort of business thought leadership. So it is something that's coming. And, and I think part of the viral appeal is there's no hiding. It is, it is you and it is a thought versus the other ones. You, you, you can be a little bit more polished and put up videos versus a live video. So we'll, we'll- yeah, and the best, the best, just one more, one more plug for TikTok. Okay. The algorithm, like it, if someone is thinking of a building project, like that algorithm will pick up on that. Somehow you've paused at something or you've commented and for your content to show up right when they're in the mood, like no other social media platform has the kind of algorithm power that TikTok has. Yeah. And I will say again, kind of the, the newness aside, the, oh my goodness, uh, I can't believe this aside. I, there are people who I know that are in the, the digital marketing space, similar who have said, oh my goodness, whatever they're doing with that algorithm, that it's really crazy. does work. It's like and reach so, your mind. Yeah. Right. And so like, you want to show up there if you, you know, if you want to be a thought leader, you can get a ton of, you can get a ton of like people paying attention to you that are really interested in niche topics. Right. And it's, it's, it's to some degree, it's too bad. There's sort of a little shroud of politics and different things that are around that thing, because to, as a, as a platform, it seems to be there and we are native moving towards native, you know, native digitals, moving up the hierarchy. I mean, we're, we are moving more digital and, and, in, in platforms like that, again, it's it's kind of next level stuff. And um, but thank you for that because that is trust and credibility is a big deal. Well, if we can talk now about um, ChatGPT um, as a tool, so if we are a thought leader, we've decided we want to share those leading thoughts. Uh, we want to be able to stand out. We want to be a recognized expert. We've bought into content marketing. We know that there's platforms, there's vehicles where we're going to make presentations and we want to sort of break those down and share those out. Or we're going to do white papers or we're going to have podcast episodes that we want to take and repurpose this. Say we're in that space. Could you talk a little bit more um, or I guess take it from there? I mean, historically, these are the tools, but now we have this new tool, ChatGPT. Um, that maybe can help ideate some ideas. It can help accelerate, you know, kind of workflow optimization. Can you just take a maybe just a quick, bef you know, in the fall of 2022, before ChatGPT became so real to most the, the public, right? Um, how did you share this stuff out? Where were some of the friction points and the pain points to content marketing? And then just we can switch into what does ChatGPT do for us now? to maybe alleviate okay, so, those pain points? Yeah, great question. So previous fall 2022, let me start here, actually, okay? There's something you gotta know about content marketing. And again, I'm just the messenger, okay? Don't get mad at me. But it is the, you gotta have the, he who has the most content wins, okay? So for me, if you wanna build a brand online and you wanna be a thought leader online, releasing something once a week is not going to cut it. Okay. So if you really want to start being known, you have got to get it out there way more often. So before fall of 2023, that was really hard. 
what ideas, like, what should I be talking about? I, you know, I have to feel like I have to be creative and figure this out. Not only that, you have to have long captions and you have to like do all of this creative and write the emails and write the blog posts and do all of this. But to, but now ChatGPT can cut down that work 60%. So I like to put the, for, I'll explain what ChatGPT is for those that don't know. All it is, is a computer software, okay, that is guessing or calculating what the next word in your sentence should be. And it takes all of the data that it has found on the internet, and it basically creates content for you based on histo like history. And so for content creators, it's been really awesome because it produces human-like text. Now, there's some downfalls, which are you can sound like a bot. I call it the bot apocalypse. You're going to start sounding like everybody else because everybody's using ChatGPT. And so everything just seems super duper canned. And I have an answer for that. But first, I want to talk about ChatGPT saving you at least 60% of the work. And the way I like to describe this is the 20 60 20 rule of ChatGPT. Okay. So, first of all, in order to not get this canned content, you've got to know that 20% of work has got to go in to good prompts and giving ChatGPT context, things such as, I am an expert who, and listing your expertise. My perfect client is this person who, and here are their problems, and here are their struggles. And you give this context to ChatGPT. So just as a reference point, my ChatGPT prompts are somewhere between 30 and 50 lines. What you don't want to do is roll up to ChatGPT and say, make me a blog post for blog post for my architectural firm. Like, of course, you're going to get crappy content from ChatGPT doing something like that. Okay. Then you hit enter on that. Give me five. Here's my expertise. Here's my customer. Here's what I want. ChatGPT, act as a professional marketer using only the highest quality marketing that doesn't do anything cheesy and is super professional. Like you tell it what you, how you want it to act. And then you say enter. And ChatGPT will do at least 60% of the work. It's actually more than that, but it but will do at least you, 60. You just laid out the pre-work and you're sort of doing the pre-training and setting up the context. So you've got to critically and strategically think about what you want to ask yes. the internet to do for you. Yes. And you have to give it context. It's all about the context. And the more details you give it, the more it will sound like you and the more it will talk to your perfect client. So 20% is what you give ChatGPT. ChatGPT will then do 60% of the writing for you. It will do 60% of the ideation for you. It will do 60% of your emails and your blog posts and everything. And then the final 20% is you reading through it with your expertise and being, because like ChatGPT has been known to lie. Okay. It can like go off on these tangents that are not true at all. There's lawyers that have used it and have gotten in a lot of trouble. But that last 20%, is this what I want to say? I'm an expert. Is this what I meant? And making sure it sounds like you, adding anything else and putting like the cherry on top. So it's the 20, 60, 20 rule of ChatGPT. And when you approach it like that and not the end all be all, it needs to write everything and you have appropriate um, boundaries around it, you can use this tool to really skyrocket what you're doing. 
So do you have to do that every time? Like, so I figured out who my target is, my Deborah, my who who I want to do and, and my context, and I want to write a blog on on this thing. And maybe I need it to just ideate, you know, just give me some ideas, or it's gonna fine-tune, but but how do you would you would you do you train do you have to keep training it every time? Do you go blank? It's a great yeah. question. Great question. So I take, because I put so much work into my prompts, we take it very seriously at the agency. And so I have a chat GPT prompt index that I use, that I have used. And I'm like, I know what kind of outputs this thing can give me and that my team can then use. And so you want to view this as an asset in your business because it's like the gas you put into it. So you keep it organized and you put it there. And then my other hot tip for ChatGPT, because ChatGPT is best with context, you have the ability to create different chat threads within ChatGPT. And so you wanna keep those as um, like, separated as possible. So for me, if I want to be interviewed on a podcast, I have a chat GPT thread for podcast interviews. And like, it knows like my podcast interviewing history, what I like to talk about on podcasts. Then I have one for Lindsay Anderson, social media marketing. And like the context is there. It's already been warmed up. And I know when I'm marketing, I go back to that thread because it remembers. And so all this stuff you put into it, as long as you keep it like very modular, that's my biggest piece of advice. Then you don't have to constantly refeed it all of this information you can just go back to those threads back to the topic you were just talking about and continue the conversation and keep it real organized so when you think just to kind of back so there's the you, you and and maybe this is going to get into the the discussion the difference between the free chat gpt 3.5 version and the, the paid version 4.0 i'm wondering how you can store these things out but if it, if i'm hearing you correctly it's there's the the in, chat gpt gives us a portal into the world into the internet world at least up until the end of 2021 i don't know if it's changing yet but it will there are the bards and the different things that will be like up until last week one day right or up until sure. yesterday but at least the original version of chat gpt was up through 2021 it access the internet, right? So there, it's always somewhat past leaning, maybe closer to the you know present day as time goes on. But so, but you're saying create your own little context portal into the internet. So you're creating oh. this, and and then you're like threads within your context. If you if you open ChatGPT on the left hand side are all the threads, all the singular conversations you've ever started with it. So my advice is is you name those and keep and name those appropriately and keep those organized. So don't talk about dinner plans on your how to market to my client thread because then chat it's like talking to your VA about those two things and they're like I don't even know what you're talking like what are you referring to, and so being disciplined and keeping those threads organized and only talking to it within that context is my advice. And then you just, and then if you're moving on. And to it's just there else. on the side, it's mm -hmm. there on the side. And there's actually a little way that you can share it. So in the index document that I was talking about, I actually have a link to the thread. So I know when I'm podcasting, I click on it and it pulls up where I was last in ChatGPT, even though we hadn't talked about podcasts for two months. Right. And it's remembering that thread. And so as yes. much as you nur nurse and train the internet through chat GPT interface, 
to know yes. you and know who you're talking to in that context, you're going to just go back to that every time. And if you change, just change the thread. So it's, exactly. It's and you'll get way, way better tools. content that way because it just knows so much more. Right. And that, and that way it becomes your friend and, and maybe it's just, it, it, that that's a cleaner 60%. If you do the 26, 2060-20. How what what are the differences between the free version and the the 4.0 version if that's still it on on the paid chat GPT? Yeah, so I do recommend paying for it. So um the difference really is the quality of the content. And so it gives way more bot-like content in the 3.5 version, you have to remember that ChatGPT is a piece of software, okay? And these developers are always in there updating it and like things that I would have gotten a response on even two weeks ago are slightly different now. And so as more and more people are using ChatGPT and it's gathering more information and getting more feedback, that 4.0 version remains miles ahead of the 3.5 because that's where they're putting all the new like updates and the new like machine learning and how do I make this better and that's just what you're getting with the paid version what what is the how do you know what what does that cost what is the paid version 20 we, bucks a month okay so that's the that, that that's I the call the chat GPT the VA that you never have to pay Peter now you can pay twenty dollars a month to get an upgraded VA but this thing is gonna do if you have a VA doing your content marketing like chat GPT will do better than they do right how do you when you think about this you set up those kind of the portals and the threads how do you think of using that? For in one case, really to help ideate, you know, how how do I sort of think about new ideas to kind of share or or, or to, um, I guess, to some degree, hey, I want to write something on this. What what are some new ways I can approach this? What are some and just maybe the ideate piece versus the I have this piece of content. Help me share this out in different ways. Uh, can you speak to each one of those? Yeah, so ideation is one of my favorite uses of ChatGPT, okay? Because like I forgot, as I mentioned, you forgot what you even know, okay? You forgot what you even knew about what you was like to be in your client's position. And so going to ChatGPT and saying, having a prompt, something like, hey, ChatGPT, act as if you are a professional you know, a uh, content marketer, you got to tell ChatGPT how to act. Otherwise it's a history professor or whatever. It doesn't know. Act as if you are a professional content marketer, okay? Put in your, put in, I am an expert who, put in all that information about I'm an expert who, that serves the following client. You put all that in, okay? This is called my direct hit confident formula, by the way. And then the fourth thing you do is say, what are 10 common obstacles my client would uh, face when XYZ? And just have ChatGPT give you those 10 ideas. I promise you, as you read those, you're like, oh, that's right. That client did have that problem. You don't know even what your client's problems are or what they were. And so asking it for what are some common problems? What are some common myths around this? I love doing myths, okay? What are some common um, desires that this client will have? And asking ChatGPT to list those those are the common prompts that I use to really start that ideation machine. 
Right. And what what if you had a, you, you did a keynote presentation and a, and someone recorded it or you know we we have a, a podcast episode or wrote this incredible white paper that's been well received. How do you think of using Chat GPT to break that up into little doses, have it ready for different platforms. I mean, how do you think of, and I just think of that as accelerating the workflow workflow optimization, taking a piece of content and repurposing it and maybe training on how to do it and get better later. How, how do you think of that suite of exercises? Yeah, so here's for- my tips. And this is what we do uh, for my podcast. I recommend everybody do this, okay? You take your, your script So you take the um, transcript. I actually use another piece of AI technology called Descript, which is pretty amazing. That will, you upload a video and it will give you the transcript and then you can kind of edit the video through the transcript itself. But you're gonna take the transcript and you're gonna paste that over into ChatGPT and you're going to give it the context again, okay? You're gonna say, I'm an expert, here's my clients. Here is a keynote that I gave. Please outline 10 ideas for Instagram carousel posts based on this transcript. And it will print out 10 ideas for those carousel posts. Or you can say, if you have a VA and you want to cut that thing up into little snippets for TikTok, since apparently everyone listening is going to go on to TikTok now, okay? Please create a, give me the time start and the time end for a good 90 second TikTok that that I can go and post on TikTok based on this transcript. And you can hand that off to a VA. So the VA, like a lot of times VAs like don't know what you do. They can't pick a good 90 second video. But a VA virtual chat, assistant just for- Yeah, yeah chat, right. sorry. Yeah, chat GPT can. And it can give you the start and end points for what a good video could be. Then you go back to chat GPT and here's a chat GPT tip is you don't want to give it too many tasks at once. Just like you don't want to give your team too many tasks at once. Co. So it's like, hey, go make, five 90 second clips. And once it does that, then you can say, great for this 90 second clip, give me five headlines that I could use on that. And then it'll give you five headlines. Now, when you're on TikTok and stuff, you don't throw me off here, Peter. Okay. But when you're on TikTok and stuff, like a lot of that is the hook, like you got to use some marketing hooks. And so if you want some sexy marketing hooks, I like to use the following ChatGPT prompt, which is, hey, ChatGPT, give me five clickbaity titles for this. And that'll get ChatGPT giving you some of those like things that are worthy to click on, okay? And you can pick the most buttoned up one if you want, but highly recommend you try that prompt. It's a, I, I have a friend um, in, in the AI space and we've had multiple conversations and he originally characterized, you know, ChatGPT as an intern. Think of it as an intern. It's a person, but it's an intern. Yes. And then like further conversations with people, it's like taking it to the, it's a very high potential intern. You have to be very specific with what you ask it. And when it comes back, you need to check the work but you might be amazed because it is a high potential intern. And so it's just kind of like what you're saying. It is a person if think of it as that case, but I I like that analogy and what you just described sort of brought that back that it's just. Along those lines, um, if it gives you back, this is like talk to it. So if it comes back and it like, it's, it's talk, like it gives you some result that like took it from a weird angle that you're like, that's a dumb angle. Like, I don't want to do that. Instead of like closing your computer and saying ChatGPT sucks, okay, be like, oh, 
Instead, can you give me an option around this angle? Like, tell it what you want. And then it will come back with like your new angle or, oh, actually double down on this part. And then like, just talk to it. And then if we continue in that thread, it will remember that next time. So you won't have to teach it that again. And it should That's be correct. able to to maintain that. How do you think, I mean, we talked about maybe cutting something and uploading something in the chat GPT. There's a lot of thought around, you know, loss of intellectual property and, and you just feeding this. I mean, how, how do you think about, you know, some of, and I, you know, there's this move to, you know, what are some policies around are, are people using chat GPT? How do we want to use it? And we don't want to lose our data and, and we're going to lose copyright. And now it's like, you know, how do you think of sort of, data and protections or, you know, obviously it's an emerging thing, but any thoughts on uploading to chat GPT and concerns? Yeah. I mean, you've got to watch that. I mean, you have to be aware of that. I think it's something everybody needs to be aware of. Like my brother-in-law is in the, is in the cancer curing space and like, they're just not allowed to use it because you have to know that these big tech companies own your data. They can do whatever they want with what you're asking or the context you're giving it. So that's my advice is like, be aware of that. But also it's like, if you're holding on to your, like the, you know, especially in like the B2B space, maybe I'm overstepping my bounds here, but like grasping onto your secrets so hard and thinking that nobody else really thinks about it that way is also, you know, like other people, probably think of it similarly as well. So, uh, you know, being a little open to like giving it your information because, you know, but just being aware, that's my yeah. advice is like, yeah, they have your data. So you, 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 to some degree, you're the product. I mean, you may be yes. paying for this, but to some degree, you're the product. But if you can get some use out of it and you think it's going to benefit you today and not hurt you, it's definitely a, a calculation to make, but they are taking your information. Yes. And, and yeah. So and they can is, use it. Right. And so it's a tool. But then again, they put all this effort into mining the internet for us. So, uh, but it's something to be aware of. I mean, interesting as a side note, um, the, the, the technology of developing our own internets and our own chat GPTs to mine our own data and put up walls against it. It's sort of the next, with, with, so the attorneys don't have the problem of fake law cases and you now we're mining the medical industries, blah, blah, blah. And it's the chat GPT for very walled specific content. You get subscriptions in to it's not the world of the internet it's specific. so all of that stuff is happening too to maybe be, have some protections and we are uploading our proprietary data how um so as it relates to and i appreciate all of this context but any other sort of aspects of using this tool powerfully again whether it be the subject matter expert or the subject matters team like so say there are is a firm a lot of subject matters experts and we are an expert firm and we're trying to tap subject matter experts, but they're so busy already working 60 hours a week. And, and we understand the value of content marketing and getting expertise. Any thoughts on whether someone is, you know, someone in the, in the marketing department or, you know, really trying to help a subject matter expert get their expertise in a way that we can share it. Any thoughts on how to use ChatGPT to help that process? Yeah. I mean, I think that I think ChatGPT can help you be a subject matter expert. I would test around using my direct hit content formula, act as if you are a subject matter matter expert in XYZ and like telling it what you want to do and seeing 
what kind of content comes back. A lot of times tr marketers trying to get subject matter experts, market like marketing tasks, they will never do it, right? But an easier way is if you do it, okay, here is a blog post. Do you have five minutes to read this and just make any light edits? Then you can actually start making some forward momentum with those SMEs that don't care about marketing. Mm -hmm. Is you do it for them and, and ChatGPT is a great on-ramp to do that and then getting their feedback to see if if this, like le allowing them to actually put their expertise on top of it. So they might do the first 20%, you let, informed 20%. Because yes. you cut on, and then the chat GPT does the 60 and then you share the last 20% with the, can I get your, your final thoughts on Yeah. This chances are they would like, it's way easier to read a blog post than it is to write a blog post, like hands down. Right. Um, anything else that you'd like to share as we look to close here that can help uh, engineering architecture firm leaders just, uh, I guess, understand the value of digital marketing and expert branding using some of the tools, but anything else to sort of share or encourage or, or, or warn them of? <laughs> I'm very excited about ChatGPT. I'm shouting it from the rooftops, Peter, but I'll just say this is that it's a skill. Okay. Like it's a skill to use this. It's a skill to do the prompts, but it is, it's very worth it. Okay. It's worth it to adopt the skill, to practice around with it, to play around with it. It's actually pretty simple. I mean, even in like everyday life, for example, my dear child made homemade slime this summer out of glue. Okay. And he came in to show me and he went like, and he went like this and the slime went all over the carpet. So previously on Lindsay's life, I would go to YouTube frantically searching for how to get slime out of my carpet. But instead I asked ChatGPT and it gave me three methods just like this. I didn't have to watch any YouTube videos. Um, there's like practical applications to using ChatGPT that can also really start exercising this skill. For me and for business, I would say if you're not using it, I guarantee your competitors are. It's a lot like when social media came out however many years ago, okay? This is just like that. And so if you're not, your competitors are doing it faster. They're getting better information about your customers and how to speak to them through ChatGPT. I'm a good marketer, but ChatGPT with the right context makes me much more effective. It just does. And so they're using it and they will get ahead and I would not be scared of it. I would instead embrace it. Well, it's interesting. I mean, you know, uh, Goldman Sachs came out with a big study this March, this past year, early, you know, Q1 2023, and suggested that you know, about 80% of engineering and architecture jobs will be enhanced by AI and so ChatGPT, obviously being a version of that. But interesting, you brought up the skill because there is the prompting and the prompt engineer. And you hear stories of, you know, companies paying $400,000 a year for prompt engineers, people who know how to ask the internet incredibly astute questions and follow up that. And to me, it's like, you think of Google for 20 years plus has taught us, you know, how to search. We're asking questions and we're piling through the information. ChatGPT is answer. 
And, yes. and it's critical thinking, it's strategic thinking, it's what outcome do you want? And so forcing it to actually, the more you practice this uh, the, the skill, it's critical and strategic thinking skills about the answer I want in the context. And so it's untraining us on Google, but you know, go moving us from search to answer, it's a whole different skill set. And so will it make us actually better because we're going to be outcome driven, not necessarily figure it out and search driven. But it's an interesting that you said skill because it is, um, and clients I know that are using it, it, it changes the thought process of how to access the internet. We're not just looking for stuff anymore. So, yep. well, um, Lindsay, thank you so much for, again, the broad look at, um, thought leadership and content marketing, and then some of the tools. Uh, how can listeners reach out to you, learn a little bit more about the the frameworks you shared and the processes and a little bit more about you and what you do? Yeah, they can just head over. So I'm on all the social media platforms at, at the.lindsay.anderson, or you can just head over to my website, which is lindsayA.com. I have a free, I have a masterclass I give on how to be, how to use ChatGPT for authentic marketing. I have some white papers that you can download. If you head over to the website, lindsayA.com, you'll be able to gain access to all that information. Great. Well, thank I had one one other question that popped my mind. So B2B historically has been, you know, business to business marketing. I, I guess your thoughts. I have heard you know people talk about it's starting to move because it's really always, you know, H to H, human to human marketing, right? You're always talking to a person, everything that you've said. And so some of the techniques and, and the strategies of how to talk B2B are kind of merging a little bit with B2C you know, how, you know, business would talk to, to consumers. Do you any, find, any thoughts on that? Do you see that directly in your sort of working on B2B to B2C? Is it merging or is it really still a, a distinct? I mean, I would say it is merging. I think because like people don't want to be talked at, they want to be talked with, they want to be part of the conversation. I think that you you have a lot of options now. And if you are being treated like just another cog in the wheel or just another customer that we need to push through, your competitors are doing it better. They're building that trust and intimacy relationship. And like real, yeah, my whole thing is that human connection piece. As I mentioned, talking to one person, understanding it's with the client. I think uh, the more you market that way, the better off you'll be. Awesome. All right, Lindsay, it was great seeing you again. Always love chatting with you. And um, I, I wish to look forward to our next conversation. Thank you again. Me too. Thanks, Peter. Take care. Well, that's a wrap. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe to and rate this podcast on iTunes or whatever platform you listen to the show from. There are links on my website and in the show notes to do so. And please also share this podcast with your friends and colleagues. It really helps to continue to get us established, and I truly appreciate that. And it also helps to get the word out to others so that together we can collectively grow and positively impact the lives of others, both inside and beyond our organizations. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of AEC Leadership Today. If you want to stay relevant and effective and take your growth and prosperity to new levels, it's time to take action. To learn more about how Pete can help take you and your firm to the next level, visit www.actionsprove.com. That's www.actionsprove.com. See you next time on the AEC Leadership Today podcast.